Hi, I'm Father Chris Aylar of the Marian Fathers here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy, and welcome back to EWTN's Living Divine Mercy. Protestants often misunderstand Catholic teaching on merit, thinking that Catholics believe we must do good works to be saved. Actually, that's the exact opposite of our teaching. Catholicism teaches only Christ merits, and we are only saved through His grace. But we must cooperate with that grace by living as another Christ, and that means doing good. And the best way for us to do this are the biblical works of mercy. Now, last year we did a show on the spiritual works of mercy, so today we thought we would do the corporal works of mercy. So what are they? Feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, visit prisoners, comfort the sick, and bury the dead are the corporal works of mercy, with corporal meaning of the body. Jesus says in Matthew 25, those who do not do these things will be thrown into the eternal fire. So it is definitely not optional. While we don't work our way into heaven, we do love our way into heaven. And these works of mercy are ways to put our love into action. In fact, that is the very definition of mercy, love put into action. Non-Catholics often claim the Bible says that you are saved by faith alone. But do you know that the only time the words faith alone appear in the Bible are in the book of James, where he says, we are not saved by faith alone. Yes, he says we need works of love. Even St. Paul says faith without works is dead. But what about Romans 3.28, where Paul says we are saved by faith alone and not by works? Well, that is not what Romans 3.28 says. Martin Luther added the word alone— and if you keep reading, it says you are not saved by works of the law. Catholics believe that. Again, we need active love to get to heaven. The reason is because at the beginning of the Christian life, God forgives sins and gives us the gift of righteousness. But he's not done with us. He wants us to grow in righteousness over the course of our life. Catholic theology refers to this as justification, which isn't something that happens just at the beginning of the Christian life. It happens over the course of one's life. It is not once saved, always saved. A mere intellectual faith will not save you. Even the demons believe that God exists. And just a profession of words that Christ is your personal Lord and Savior will not save you either. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, according to Jesus. As St. Paul says in Galatians 5, 6, we need faith working through love. Without the deeds of mercy, our love would not be real. 
It is not enough to just say I love you. We show our love by what we do. That is why Christ not only reveals the mercy of God to us, but at the same time, he places before us the demand that we conduct ourselves in life with love and mercy. John Paul II says this constitutes the very heart of the gospel. It is the commandment of love with the promise, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. This is confirmed in Jesus' words to St. Faustina about the requirement to be merciful in Diary 742, where he tells her that mercy shown through deeds consoles his heart. So now, let's take a look at each of the corporal works of mercy. First, Jesus said, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. You know, we can help the hungry in simple ways. For example, by making donations to the local food bank or by helping at a soup kitchen for the homeless. And don't forget that beggar at the stoplight when you're in your car. You never know when that person is actually Jesus. We Marians, we carry meal cards to give to them, which is good in case you fear they may misuse cash. We can also use our voices and our votes to pressure politicians to make the fight against world hunger a priority. Next, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Nearly one billion people lack access to safe drinking water and nearly three and a half million people a year die from water-related diseases. Every 21 seconds, a child in the world dies because of it. Nearly one-fifth of all childhood deaths are caused by diarrhea, shockingly. And surprisingly, it kills more young children than AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria combined. Giving drink to the thirsty can also be done by voting. For example, supporting clean water policies to ensure that there will be clean water for future generations. Our friend Ermine Rubin runs Water for Mercy in Africa as an excellent example of this work of mercy. Then we have, I was naked and you clothed me. You can always go through your closets and find some garments to donate. And selling your items to raise money for other good causes is true almsgiving. Those of you who are working hard each day to earn money to provide food and drink, clothing and shelter for your own family, and those of you who are cooking and cleaning at home, you're already practicing these corporal works of mercy, at least outwardly. Now, why not practice them inwardly as well, from the heart, not grudgingly, but with compassion and love for your family, doing it as a work of mercy. Jesus then said, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. What can we do to provide shelter for the homeless? If you have an aging or ill family member, welcome them in. Come to the aid of families driven from their homes due to fire or eviction, for example. Surprisingly, many states are now asking for volunteers to house immigrants coming into their states. Habitat for Humanity or Covenant House 
are excellent charities to be involved with and support as well. We can use our voices to support policies that lead to the creation of jobs for the poor and the homeless. Okay, then we have, I was in prison and you visited me. Now, visiting those in prison certainly does not mean being soft on crime. With some violent criminals, society has no choice but to lock them up and throw away the key. Throw away the key, yes, but not the person. Punishment deters and quarantines, but friendship and prayer have the capacity to reform and heal, even leading to repentance. A true work of mercy is done by Christians who befriend those in correctional institutions in the name of Jesus, thereby affirming their human dignity as persons made in God's image. We all know the story of the hardened criminal who had a conversion right before his execution when St. Therese of Lisieux prayed for him. And we know about the killer of Maria Goretti, who converted in prison after being visited by Maria's own mother, whose daughter he killed. Next, I was ill and you cared for me. Mother Teresa once said that the greatest poverty was not hunger and homelessness. Rather, it is being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can help remedy this kind of poverty by making room in our schedules to visit the sick, the homebound, and those in nursing homes, whether they are family, friends, or even strangers. Of course, there are some people who are sick not from physical illness, but from social isolation. I used to take my dog Rocky to Huntersville Oaks Nursing Home in North Carolina, and I met some incredible but lonely people. And finally, we have bury the dead. While most of us make sure that our loved ones have a proper funeral service, this work of mercy ensures that they also have the proper prayers and graces in preparation for heaven. It is also being aware of the needs of those who are grieving and struggling to bury their dead emotionally. We need to help one another to truly bury our lost loved ones by letting go of them, um, not forgetting, but entrusting them to the merciful hands of Jesus. The most important aspect of this work of mercy is for the holy souls, our ability to help release them from purgatory by having masses said for them and offering personal prayers and sacrifices is imperative. So there you have it, the corporal works of mercy. Do them so when Jesus separates the sheep from the goats at the end of time, you will be one of the sheep. Now, let's hear the story of National Catholic Partnership of Disabilities as they bring the works of mercy to so many in need. More than 40 years ago, the U.S. Catholic bishops called forth the National Catholic Partnership on Disability to implement the resolutions of their 1978 pastoral statement on persons with disabilities. Before this, disability efforts and advocacy in the church were often patchwork affairs. 
As the only national Catholic resource on disability ministry, NCPD sees the church continually flourish. There are 15 million Catholics who live with a disability. Under the disability umbrella, that encompasses physical, intellectual, emotional, and behavioral disabilities. The U.S. Catholic Bishops Conference created NCPD to be the national resource for disability ministry. That structure allows us to have direct contact to clergy, academics, diocesan, and parish leadership. I first heard about NCPD um, by looking at resources online to find resources for our family. Our daughter has disabilities, so we wanted to see what was available. Our daughter, Teresa, has multiple disabilities, the main one being deaf blindness, and she also has a genetic disorder that makes it difficult for her to communicate, so a lot to support. People with disabilities have so much to offer, so many gifts and abilities, and sometimes we only see the disability, but to have resources like NCPD help us look beyond and see those gifts, we can really bring those into the fold of the church. Originally, the bishops issued uh, a statement, a pastoral statement, on persons with disabilities in the church. Right? And the goal of that statement was to encourage pastors, dioceses, to open the doors of the church. And then, in 1995, the bishops issued another pastoral statement which offered guidelines for the celebration of sacraments for persons with disabilities. As a father of six children, all of whom are on the autism spectrum, we face numerous challenges. Pastors, different parishes where we've lived, have been nothing but accommodating and gracious and encouraging and, and just uplifting for us. Both the pastoral statements have had a real impact in the church. Our church doors are open for persons with disabilities. Their gifts are valued. Success and progress are made daily through NCPD's efforts. NCPD provides formation, training, and resources to assist dioceses and parishes in making faith communities a home for all who want to belong in the Catholic Church. Christ told us that we would be identified as true Christians because we would have love amongst ourselves. We would be clothed in love. And I think if that's our motivating factor, when we see someone who's different, we see someone who's maybe experiencing a challenge that we are personally unfamiliar with, love will encourage us to reach out to them. In many cases, a simple smile and a meaningful greeting does wonders. I think the number one way that we can help in the stigma is by talking about it. When someone asks us, how are we doing or how are we feeling, be honest, you know, I'm struggling today or I'm dealing with anxiety, or you know, unfortunately that local news incident that happened, it's really affecting me. And open a way for dialogue, you'd be surprised and shocked how many people are gonna respond with, me too. We get the word out through a network of diocesan disability ministry directors who are full-time ministries or part-time in their various capacities at the diocese. And they have a specialized email that goes to them monthly that contains certain content that helps them do their job. And then we also have a very active social media front, which just hits on a lot of different gears and says, here is content, here are trainings, here are activities that are going on that you might want to know about. Our website is geared around the principles of the disability or the person 
coming because of that disability. And that person could be a clergy, could be a diocesan director or a DRE, could be parish, um, could be the person themselves or their family members, and really just also the disability. So we have content on the disability and tailored to the personal needs of the people who are looking for it. We know that there is nothing better than God's mercy. And as much as we can pray for that and open ourselves to receive God's mercy, as always, we hope and that, that and trust that that converts us to being more merciful to others. And in a disability ministry where it's about hospitality and evangelization, I would say mercy is absolutely wrapped around all of that when you're talking about making the church a place of belonging for all people. Divine Mercy is one of my favorite devotions. I, I think it's incredible. The gift of Divine Mercy is unparalleled. Uh, that your sins and the um, the punishment due your sins is completely wiped away. It's almost like a, a baptism in a sense as to your soul. It's just for for us sinners to have this available to us is amazing. Divine Mercy really makes a difference for me because the words of St. Faustina the emphasis on the mercy of God tells me that God sees me. He sees my children, he welcomes them, he loves them. And as St. Paul says in Romans, there's no condemnation, there's no casting out, they belong. If you don't feel well, be honest, it is okay. The resources are there to make you well. We are here to support you, not just spiritually, but also making sure you get the correct medical and healthcare attention. People with disabilities have so much to offer, so many gifts and abilities, and sometimes we only see the disability, but to have resources like NCPD help us look beyond and see those gifts. The goal of NCPD is to bring everyone together and to emphasize everyone is equally beloved and is equally cherished. I would say that we are on an upward incline, both in what we have been offering to the national church, as well as to the rise in support being increased by our stakeholders. 40 years after our founding, dioceses and parishes throughout the United States benefit from the creation of the Bishop's Pastoral Statement. Its spirit is still a driving motivator in our work today. What a great story of the works of mercy and helping those in need. Now, another way to honor the works of mercy is to make everyone feel welcome. And we here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy do that every day. Take a look now at a few clips from our Spanish day, where we invited all of those to come to share in the Spanish culture.
Hello, I'm Father Matthew Tomini, Rector of the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy with the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. And this is Saints in Focus on my name patron, Saint Matthew. Of course, we all know that Saint Matthew is one of the 12 apostles and the author of one of the four gospels, which is why he is called an evangelist. His story offers a powerful message of faith and redemption. You see, Matthew was a publican or tax collector for the Romans. You did not want this job, especially in the Holy Land. Publicans were hated by the Jews as they were a reminder of their subjection to the evil Roman Empire. The Pharisees, moreover, regarded publicans as a prime example of a sinner. It's intriguing that Matthew tells the story of his conversion in his own gospel without specifically identifying himself. We read in chapter 9 that Jesus enters a town and heals a paralyzed man, much to the consternation of onlookers. Then he notices Matthew. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. That surely is one of the most powerful passages in the New Testament. In the citation from the prophet Hosea, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, is an inspiring reminder of divine mercy. Imagine Jesus approaching you, a hated man, and then choosing you. And without hesitation, you drop everything and follow him. Incredible. That is faith. We don't know a great deal about Matthew's life after this dinner party and after the ascension of Jesus. According to tradition, he preached in Egypt and Ethiopia. In the traditional symbolization of the four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew is represented as a divine man, a man with wings. This is because Matthew's gospel is, in the words of St. Irenaeus, the gospel of Jesus' humanity. Matthew highlights Jesus' entry into this world first by presenting his family lineage as son of David, son of Abraham, and then telling the story of his incarnation and birth. The character of a humble and meek man is kept up through the whole gospel, St. Irenaeus adds. Some say St. Matthew lived until his 90s, dying a peaceful death, while others say he died a martyr's death. Today he is, not surprisingly, patron saint of accountants, bankers, bookkeepers, customs officers, security guards, stockbrokers, and of course, tax collectors. How do we best honor St. Matthew, especially on his feast day, September 21st? Pick up the Bible and read his gospel, for one, and try to be more watchful and a good listener. God is calling you all the time 
follow him in faith, in work, family, and vocation. When you hear his call, be like Matthew and do not hesitate to respond. St. Matthew, Apostle and Evangelist, pray for us. Jesus came to the main entrance today under the guise of a poor young man. This young man, emaciated, barefoot and bareheaded, and with his clothes in tatters, was frozen because the day was cold and rainy. He asked for something hot to eat. So I went to the kitchen, but found nothing there for the poor. But. After searching around for some time, I succeeded in finding some soup, which I reheated, and into which I crumbled some bread, and I gave it to the poor young man who ate it. As I was taking the bowl from him, he gave me to know that he was the Lord of heaven and earth. When I saw him as he was, he vanished from my sight. When I went back in and reflected on what had happened at the gate, I heard these words in my soul. My daughter, the blessings of the poor who bless me as they leave this gate have reached my ears, and your compassion within the bounds of obedience has pleased me, and this is why I came down from my throne to taste the fruits of your mercy. Well, thank you everybody for joining us about the Corporal Works of Mercy and be with us next week as we're going to do a fun topic that everybody enjoys learning more about our guardian angels. And until then, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>